What's up, guys? Today on the podcast, we had a great chat with Ian Horley. Ian is the founder of Hubsnacks, one of the one of the more innovative partners that we have. We had a really interesting conversation about how they are productizing services around HubSpot. Like, really, it's something that I hadn't really thought about or hadn't really come across before. So, I learned a lot on this uh, on this podcast. I hope you will as well. If you're interested in, you know, getting the most out of the HubSpot product, kind of really breaking it down into uh, useful bite-sized pieces. Hubsnacks uh, really helps customers do that. Um, without further ado, I'll kick it over to Ian. Welcome to the DubSpot Partner Podcast, where we chat to HubSpot partners about how they deliver outstanding value to their customers in an evolving technology landscape. And now live from HubSpot EMEA HQ in Dublin, here's your host, Luke Curry. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Dubspot Partner Podcast. I'm here live out of Dublin, and I've got my guest, uh, Ian Horley, on the phone. How are you doing, Ian? Yeah, very good. What's good for you? I'm, I'm delighted to have you here. We just had a bit of a chat beforehand as well, and I'm really looking forward to kind of digging into the business. The, the partner that we're talking about today is Hubsnacks. Um, usually, we kick these things off. I say to you, hey, Ian, how do you how do you describe the business? Where do you guys kind of fit? How do you kind of uh, describe the business to people when they ask you what's the story with Hubs- Hub Snacks? Sure. So um, I'm going to try and keep the answer short for you, and then you can drag it out of me as you want to go. Okay. But if you wanted to describe it, it's been described as like the alt HubSpot agency. So it's alternative because it's not like an agency in the way that it operates and it solves problems. Um, it is what's known out there as a productized service, which is a relatively new business model. It's less than 10 years old. Um, and it's really where a service is broken down into small pieces and delivered more like a, as if it was a software product, like a SaaS product. So you productize the pricing. So you have very simplified pricing, cancel anytime, all that kind of good stuff on a very simple plan. And then you go in and productize the service. So you break it down into the compo- into all the small components and you manage it like a product. The only difference is that it's people doing the work, not servers doing the work. But the people are working on things that are very well defined um, and laid out in a logical path so they can be delivered extremely efficiently. And it's 100% HubSpot. There is, it's not only that we, it's not, we don't support other platforms, we don't even do anything that's non-HubSpot. We don't log into any of the other platforms. Okay, HubSpot. Folk. I, when I th- when I heard about this uh, this type of business, it was really interesting to me because this is something that uh, was something that we tried to get going. When I used to work in uh, direct sales in the Nordics, we were working with a partner up there, and we were trying to do kind of the same thing. We were trying to develop with them uh, like some like kind of an off the shelf um, uh, an off shelf solution for a very specific use case that we were kind of seeing again and again uh, in the Nordics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just couldn't make it work on their end. It didn't. It, it didn't suit everybody, so we just kind of left it. But when I hear the kind of productization of services, it really gets me interested and in see what where can we go with this, um, what type of uh, businesses are a good fit for this, um, and how this actually works in practice. So when you say that the that you guys are productizing, I noticed on your website, like I, out of all of the partners that I've worked with, because I was a partner manager for a while, and all the partners that I speak to on the podcast, um, I've never ever seen a buy now button on the on on the uh, <laughs> thing. So like it. Is that the the business model? Do people come to you guys and buy directly on online, or do you have to talk to them? Is there a consultative part of that? How does the how do you acquire uh, customers generally? You know? There's a few questions. There is like, how do yeah. they buy, and do we consult? Yeah, they can by all means if they want hit the buy now button. It does happen. It is by no means our preferred 
method of dealing with things, we definitely prefer speaking to someone first. Um, do we do consultative stuff? That's a different thing. So people pay us before we do anything for them. It's one of the big things. So there's no long drawn out sales process. And I'm doing in air quotes here where in actual fact, it's a whole bunch of free consulting to try and convince someone that you know what you're talking about before yes. they buy from you. We prefer to do the model where we make it extremely frictionless to buy from us. Very, very low risk, get in. And we actually deliver something of value first. Okay. And okay. it's the, in that process, it's, uh, it's, it's what the guys over at Shopify, for example, would refer to as the trust battery. There's nothing that does trust better than actually doing something for someone immediately, especially if it's what they asked you to do. Then they listen to you. So we make that piece very simple. And it's a, it's a great point as well. That could t- with any type of uh, kind of big sale or in a, you know, you know, in the tens of thousands of euro of investment, when you're in a sales position, you do, it's, it's almost like you have to give, give away a, a, a lot of the, um, a lot of the kind of know-how upfront to tell people what you can do for them, right? You've got to dissect the the problem, all that type of stuff. But if you're kind of flipping that, you know, inverting that on its head a little bit and saying, okay, give us just, you know, like a small fee or whatever, and we'll deliver value right now, rather than, you know, a two-year plan of where we're going to get to. Um, yeah. And once, once they kind of do that, is the, is the retention quite good when you get people to actually commit to that small, you know, uh, kind of, first step sure yes uh but i will go back to this idea that there is a plan yeah so just because we do a small task for someone first does not mean to say there is not a plan a growth plan okay so actually that is the model if i unpack that statement i made a moment ago a little bit further the whole go-to-market strategy is built around do something of value for someone first then when you start growing the trust battery you start putting a bit of charge into that trust battery while you're doing that work you then show them what else is available for them to do that is of value that they would not have spotted otherwise. Okay. And at that point, once the trust battery is good, you then say, this is what the promised land looks like. Okay. okay. Which is saves just a huge number of words and long calls. Cause you literally, they're watching it happen. They can see how it works immediately. And while they're doing that, we say, and here is like a roadmap of everything that could be done inside HubSpot. Okay. okay? It's called the user journey. Nice. Okay. And that speaks to our mission as well. So once you've done that, you've shown them the land, here comes the, here comes the real bit. You then make it obvious to them that you, i.e. Hubsnacks, is the path to that promised land and that it is the shortcut path to that promised land because everyone's looking for a shortcut. 100%. And then you make it really easy for them to pay and get on and deliver it. That's the whole go-to-market strategy for everything we did. It's- so you do something of value, while you're doing that, you then show them what the promised land looks like. And it's someone now showing them who they trust. Show that you are then the shortcut to that promised land and then find an easy way to pay and get out of the way. It's, it's, it's like putting the whole process on fast forward. Do you know, people want things, you know, up and running as soon as possible. Um, they want to see value as soon as possible as well, because sometimes we, we forget that, you know, when we're when we're bringing on customers with the HubSpot, the person who's making the decision is kind of on the hook to make sure that, that they get something out of that kind of quickly because if it's not their company or whatever and they're you know, investing the company's money, they're going to have to prove that it's a, it was a good decision, you know? Um, and sometimes if you buy any kind of enterprise software, it can take a while to even get set up or, you know, to get, get moving. So this is an interesting concept. Um, and what type of companies are, are kind of, 
getting involved with this first is it people who are in technology and kind of are used to this buying uh buying cycle or what type of companies are, are generally kind of going to you guys um the ones who either have or would like to have hubspot have a credit card and can communicate in english that's it that's that's the only yeah, the that's only, it that's it it's literally that's it yeah. anywhere in the world yeah um that's it so they have that's, to kind that, of that is that the that's the boundary filter to get into our system is that then what path they take on that well that's that's kind of guided but to get in that's what you're going to have then there's going to be some kind of cultural fit some people are just going to want an agency right they want you know maybe some months of people talking about strategies and all these other things you can do which are non hubspot great if that's what you want to do that's superb but actually one of the two insights we had right at the very beginning was First of all, the insight number one comes from the telecoms industry. You can break large things down into small chunks and using systems thinking, you can then route them through a delivery network and assemble them on the other side. That is an extremely efficient way of delivering things at scale. That's how the whole internet works. The packets of this call between you and I right now, Luke, are big packets broken into small packets routed through an internet as an assembly on the other side. It's exactly the model which we operate, that's the central insight that helps take the cost out and productize. Okay. Um, I actually even teach how we do it to other agencies, by the way. So this model is also replicable. So the second real insight was that there was a market need. Um, uh, yeah, that's really vague, right? So let's go very specific. If you listen to Andy Ratcliffe um, speaking, he teaches, I think he's at Stanford and he's been CEO of some enormous companies and, and uh, Mike Maples Jr., people like that. Um, they all talk about, um, stages of business, but also disruption, how disruption works. And it's a word we all love to use, disruption, without knowing what it really means. And there are very few types of disruption in reality. One is you create a whole new market. Okay. Expensive, big, and it's great. But the one we saw is coming into what's known as an overserved market. So you are what's called a low-end disruptor. Okay. So imagine if it's Airbnb, for example. And this, this does actually help your audience because this audience is basically HubSpot customers or you know, either new HubSpot customers who want to be or ones who are slightly uncertain. And it's also your sales team, your sales reps and your customer success reps, yeah. right? So this is valuable understanding of how this, why this is different. Is if you look at Airbnb, for example, you come in, if you want to stay overnight somewhere in the old days, you had to either go to a, a hotel where you pay a lot for the reputation of the brand and you know pretty much what you're going to get, but it's there's a few of them and they're a bit painful to buy from, but they're big and you know they're going to pretty much take care of you. The brand does it. On the other hand, you could end up you know, having to sleep with one eye open in an absolute flea pit somewhere um, in some motel or some wacky bed and breakfast owned by some really strange couple, you know, which I've gone through myself, and you just don't know. And then comes Airbnb. And their real innovation was that rating ability in the middle. Yeah, you can rent anything out, but as long as someone trusts you, they will rent it from you. Yeah. as long as it's visible, et cetera. And they've built everything around that trust model in the middle. So we did the same. Imagine you are you want to buy HubSpot, but you don't know how long it's going to take you to see time to value, which is what the, all the, you know, the big fancy consultants, that's the phrase they use, time to value. Yeah. I, I prefer the expression time to significant value because okay. value is subjective. It's got to be to the point whereby you really are seeing visibly value. And um, it's, it's other people maybe call it the technology on-ramp which is way beyond onboarding. Yeah. On-ramping is when it is an integrated part of the company. And that's the area we wanted to solve. And then the way we solve it is saying, instead of going to an agency, which is in the metaphor, it would be the hotels. Yeah. All quirky, with all their own brands, all their own services, lots of these 
you know, lots of different things they can do for you within this brand, but it's usually a lot more than you want. You know, do you really want the mini bar? Maybe, maybe not. Do you really want the beds turned down for you every night? Yeah. Probably not. Are if those, you're just trying to get a room trouser presses that are still there that I've never used. They're still there. They could be trouser press. Nothing yeah. more fun than dis- you know, taking those apart. Um, so you've got that as an option. And the whole marketing industry and marketing agency industry is built around that pretty much. Because the, the alternative to that is either a freelancer who is free to come and go as they want, put their prices up and down, turn up, not turn up, free to say that they are quite qualified when they aren't. Some of them are awesome. Some of them are not. Yeah. Then you also have try and build it yourself. So in the middle of these two things, there is a massive market of people who just want HubSpot set up for them great right from the start by experts who will avoid the pit, pitfalls and avoid all those embarrassing, painful starts or failed starts that you just described a minute ago. Yeah. They want to avoid that embarrassment. They just want that. They want to know that the person that can give them a path to get as, as much of a templatized, accelerated time to value and technology on-ramp as quickly as possible with some templatized models that can be installed very efficiently and very quickly that can then be adapted very easily afterwards with a service that means we'll also make any changes for you. And that bit in the middle is complete, is where literally where Hubsnacks comes in. We don't want to compete with the awesome agencies out there who do great creative work or great technology work and spend a lot of time and money and effort in making sure that they really take care of everything at the top but are very expensive. And we also get you away from the, the risk of having to manage multiple freelancers or try and take a lot of people with this bit in the middle, which is kind of like an Airbnb model. You can have a simple thing done for you, like a couch, sofa, yeah. or you can rent someone's penthouse, but it's not a hotel. It's going to be something that does fit you and what you need. That's the model. That's where we fit. I think Long answer. Sense. Hopefully that made it. No, it makes sense. And I, I really like the analogy of the, the Airbnb uh, model there because it really does come in at a, a, this huge on, on uh, this huge market of people who wanted somewhere to stay but you know it, it, it's kind of the excess capacity that was out there kind of taps into as well and i remember when airbnb first came out like i couldn't imagine going to stay in somebody's house uh, and renting a room there um before it came out but then i realized like you said i've done that in b&b's anyway i'm kind of staying in there as you know it's it's not so different yeah. that um it wasn't done as well yeah. it is not unused inventory and we just you know it's yeah. not a marketplace for freelancers that we're operating no yeah. this is people on our books but we're paying their salary okay. and we also pay a salary of like half a dozen people who are focused 100 percent on productizations they do no client work whatsoever they just work on productizing the service which we're upgrading there's a big upgrade happening at the end of the time this recording the end of 2021 so there's a big upgrade there just productizing the service even more deeply and in a way that makes it more obvious to see how you're making progress okay perfect and so when we let's let's kind of while you're on the the subject of uh practicization let's kind of dig into what the experience is like for the customer when they when they actually get going um i was on the website and i could see that there's kind of different plans for different uh for for different amount of tasks that you guys would do um sure so when people come in do they start with kind of a one task two task or does it kind of go the other way where they need lots of tasks at the beginning and then probably less over time once things are set up what's the what's the kind of journey like there right so there's a there's a central obsession in the business around this area which we call the clutch okay it's where the sales 
spins and rotates at the same speed as the people who take the customer over for the first 72 hours. And we've got this expression that are dedicated people to literally looking at the T plus 72. So that's from the moment the credit card fires for the first time in the first 72 hours, because you've got to get to well quickly and we want the trust battery, which at that stage should already have charge in it. The way you sell something has puts charge into the trust battery. If you do a good job in a certain way, that can actually come, that can build trust inside there. When you then take over in the team, T plus 72 hour team, there is a certain amount of information which we regard as meta information, um, which typically is questions like, um, what pain were you buying? What pain did you have that you bought HubSpot to solve? Which feature was gonna solve that pain? What alternative methods have you tried to resolve that? Um, and then kind of like any other business, we don't like that one. We're really looking for these very standardized productized things. So what we have in the customer's own words, some very specific language around the pain. And we're obsessed about that customer's pain and solving it at scale, but also on the individual basis. So we take their actual words and that gets passed through to the T plus 72 hours team. So there is an onboarding call if they want it or need it, can depend on the tier. Um, but pretty much that first 72 hours, something has to get done. And there's a whole bunch of things that get done in that 72 hours. All the customer sees is they log into a platform, like a ticketing system, effectively. Yeah. They log in. The task, hopefully, is already in there for them because we may have put it in there if there's been enough time. Sometimes they just buy straight on the call. 15 minutes, max, bang. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm buying it. Click, go. But very quickly, soon after, you've been invited to a call and you can start submitting the first tickets, the very first tickets, and see exactly what's going on. And the client... The customer has their own portal to manage all this, 24-7 access wow. to everything they're asking us to do and everything that we're working on. That portal is about to get a lot more exciting, thanks to the HubSpot team as well. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. let's not get ahead of ourselves on that one, but it's about to get a lot more juicy and fun. Um, so that's what they actually experience. And what they don't know is there is a whole team of people behind because we have literally every single task that can be done inside HubSpot, everything has an individual SKU number in our database. Okay, interesting. Everything. that You guys got to be the only people doing that. I, I haven't heard anyone trying to do something like that before. We've been told by um, people inside HubSpot who deal with a lot of partners that they have never seen anybody even close to thinking in that scale. Okay. And everything has an SKU, and those SKUs are nested. So this is an important part. I'm still answering a question. Um, but this is very important, not just for the new HubSpot customers, not just for the ones who have already got it but are uncertain what to do. It's also useful for the reps who want to sell something really easy so they can describe what's going to happen next. It's also very useful for the customer success managers. So there's two groups of people. It's HubSpot customers and HubSpot we're solving this problem for. Yeah. So let's get back to that. Let's bring it back to the center. What this enables us to do is because every single one of these SKU numbers, and we're using systems thinking, again, this is what I teach other agencies how to do, how to productize, how to... Program and a course and consulting doing that is we break it down, but actually they nest inside groups. So in systems thinking, you have elements. They're then grouped into what's known as sets. And I'm going to give you a classic example of what that might be. And I don't know, I've not implemented anything for a customer for at least three years now. So okay. forgive me if I get this slightly wrong, guys, but okay. the principle is the same. Let's say something, something as simple as connect Google Analytics to HubSpot. That's a task, it has a single SKU. Then what happens is, which means the customer is going to get that in a unified way very, very, very quickly, and it's going to be extremely cost-effective to deliver. We don't have to go and find someone who knows how to do it to look up at something on HubSpot or, yeah. you know, that's 
the person doing it doesn't even have to have a name because it is so defined. However, while we're doing that for the customer, we have some, we, there will be maybe four other tasks. I think there's a tag manager and a something. And when you've done those other tasks, you have now completed the HubSpot analytics. So it sits with inside a set of things. And the things that sit adjacent to one individual task is known as the next adjacent impactful task. It's next because it's the obvious thing you should do next. Yeah. And the customer can see that then in the portal. Is that the... Exactly. It's literally structured up that way. It is impactful. If it ain't impactful, we're not. It's why are you even talking about it? Yeah. And it's a task because it's a thing that he's doing. So now what we've got is we've got a set. So what we've got is our team actually goes off in the background and does a full HubSpot order. And it's it's crazy. It's, 100 and, it's 115 tasks or something just to audit the setup of everything. And we go in and take a look and they will pick one element that we're doing for them, one set around it. And we'll go in and we'll make a recommendation to the customer saying, that's really good that we did that for you. But did you know that if you did these other four things, you have actually done, you've completed and actually done something. It's- now that's an extremely efficient way. And every single set has an SKU and the sets all actually live inside some another hierarchy, which is another level up, which is a subsystem. Now this goes back to the point you mentioned a minute ago about basically having made the investment in HubSpot and being the decision and then trousers pulled down on the dance floor because it didn't work or something, which is usually because it wasn't set up right. Hmm. If I use a slightly more family-friendly uh, analogy there, it's like you're going to have a soccer, soccer match. Let's call it soccer, right? Yeah. You need to t- put your boots on and do the shoelaces up really thoroughly. It's not going to make you win the game, and it's not going to make you a great footballer. But you know what? If those things aren't set up right and you go and you try and kick a goal, yeah. right, especially if it's yeah. England against Germany, yeah. right, and you trip over your shoelace, you are going to look. Really silly at that point. Now, that's a end metaphor, but the metaphor as well unpacks itself in many layers. So the thing is, you have to get those basics done right. And most people don't get those basics done right for them because what happens is what they really bought is they bought a campaign or some big strategy. And all that's been set up is what's needed to get that done. When what you really need is everything set up on HubSpot done for you in a very productized, process-oriented manner, as fast and as efficiently as possible with the minimum amount of fuss. It's, it's a, that has to be done. It's such an interesting way of, of looking at it from a, a systems point of view, a systematic point of view like that, where there's different sets and tasks to be done. Because I guess there, there's always going to be the, uh, like when people are doing like digital transformation and stuff like that, where there's going to have to be a few days of like workshops to figure out where they want to go with the company and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a uh, a big market for that at the enterprise level. And, you know, we've got partners there that are great at that uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, and deliver great value for customers and kind of, at that end but like a lot of times like you're saying those customers just kind of want to get going they want to they want to make sure everything's set up uh, properly ready to go if they could just you know hit a button buy a a sku for this to be set up and not have to go through so sometimes like one of my friends has a has a small business like you know a small uh seven figure business and they they hate buying things because it takes so much of their time they have to go meet three or four people different you know, see all the different proposals and all that type of stuff. It takes up a lot of their time. But if they can just say, okay, we just want to, we just want this done, hit this button, it kind of takes out that, you know, those kind of meetings that will go on forever, you know? Interesting. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, so if we go back to, so to, you know, build on that point, there's really, you know, if you've got the HubSpot customers and the HubSpot themselves, these are the two, probably the two groups of people listening to this and want to care about this podcast, right? 
So inside those, you've got in on the HubSpot side, you've got the reps and success managers. On the HubSpot customer side, you've got side, you've got new customers coming in who, as you say, just want to get going. They're going to have HubSpot set up for them while they're dating all these other big systems providers on what they're doing. And HubSpot, by the time they get to them, will all be done. Yeah. Okay. Now there is uh, in the next adjacent impactful task model, there is another set of gears up, which is actually full campaigns, productized campaigns, which have been completely productized on a per task, per set, per subsystem basis. So it it's literally, you can deliver a funnel in, okay, right. it's a bold claim, but pretty much a day, what would take an agency two months? Wow. But we've actually, the templatization bit is done. Okay, they, the customer then wants to make some tweaks and changes and depending how long that takes, it'll be there. But normally all the tweaks and changes made before anything gets done, you know, in a normal situation are all discussed before anyone does anything because it's so laborious to go and do the work afterwards. Well, we've already done the work. That's done. You just tell us what tweak and change you want, yep. which means that the funnel is live and gathering data long before anyone else is even start having their first whiteboarding sessions with a client. Ours yep. are already live and going. Yep. So going it back down in there, if you look at the problems we solved, what we did as well, we made sure that we matched, um, we matched the problems that we're solving for both HubSpot's customers and customers in the same tier at the same time. So if you look at what the primary thing that the HubSpot customer wants to know, both when they're buying the product and when they're using it, is that they've squeezed all the value fast. I say it's like a time to value is what the consultants call it. I call it time to significant value. Yeah. That's what the customer wants to know they're going to get. Like when are we even going to see the signs of progress on this? On the other side, on the HubSpot side, we've, we've removed the unnecessary friction from the sale. Because if you want to get the value from something, you need to have bought it and have it installed quick. So what we do is we don't, it, it's removing the unnecessary friction. A little bit of friction, uh, again, to quote a Shopify uh, terminology in the trust battery, but battery, if you have zero friction in a sale whatsoever, there's no trust that comes with it either. So it's a considered purchase. Yeah. But the considered purchase should be the HubSpot purchase. It shouldn't be, well, I'm going to pay one unit of cost to HubSpot but then it has to come with a agency on the other side that's going to multiply that by five times at least. So the CIO goes, yeah, I love this HubSpot thing, but actually you're presenting me with a bill that's five times more risky for me yes. across a 12-month period. That's what is in my budget. It's a different equation. So what we back. actually do is we remove that friction inside the sale on the getting it delivered side. I was going to say, it might even, those those budgets sometimes come from different departments and it's a, then it's a different type of sale trying to get you know yeah. access to different you know it does make things a little bit messier and i think that if you know it's just a, it's an interesting way of uh of, of thinking about this something i never really put too much thought into but i can see this being you know you mentioned that it's going to be or you're aiming to disrupt that kind of uh at the the lower end of cost um but you at the same time you guys still got to elite partner doing that you know within hubspot so it's an interesting uh journey that you you guys have been on what's what's kind of next for you guys is there a, a plan for growing like headcount areas where, where are you guys gonna be in five years well that doesn't really help so sorry i'm gonna push back in that one that doesn't help the customer why would the customer give a damn about any of that and we're focused on the customer so all my answers are going to come back that way okay How about this sorry, let's, so How let's look at it another way then let's look yeah. at what what happens for the customer out of all this because that will dictate whether we grow and how we grow. 
before, it was a bit ironic. We have zero marketing. We never spent a penny on marketing. No marketing people, really? no ad campaigns, nothing. Zero, nothing from day one. No marketing. It's all, all been product market fit. Wow. Because we're at the second stage of growth. We had the insight in 2017 to 18. Spent two to three years actually working out the exact way that we are then going to the value proposition that means that we can deliver at scale a reliable method of that, you know? Yeah. And the growth phase doesn't actually start to actually also answer your question until next year, it will start, we will start building the sales team. So we're actually recruiting salespeople right now. We're probably looking for about eight to 10 in the next six months. Okay. So um, so basically having squeezed all the value out of it and sold the tech on-ramp component for the customer. The next thing is we wanna make sure that they avoid the pitfalls of getting that time to value, causing the embarrassing full start. And what that does on the HubSpot side of things for the customer success team, because that's now who it is to take care of it, is that you keep the sale, right? You actually, in this early time period, the trust battery is going, you keep the sale and it sticks. But then comes the more interesting bit. Once you get over that little first phase, you know, HubSpot's mission is grow, well, it's actually something to do with millions of customers, but millions of companies, but it's basically grow better. Yeah. Okay. So our mission, not to add the vision, uh, the, the vision is, by the time somebody has thought of something to do in HubSpot, it is already in their portal, ready to be populated with their content by the time they've thought about it. And yeah, we are very, very close to that. Uh, the first 24 hours of that vision statement, obviously, because everyone was telling me I was insane. This was 2018. I went, yeah. Within 48 hours, we worked out the principles, how it could be done. We were testing it in the lab already within six months, and it was working. We were down to within some hours. Um, now we have live customer trials going on now. They don't know they're in trials. But quite literally, by the time they thought about it, we already have an entire funnel in their portal ready to be delivered, ready for them to tweak their words or whatever. But by the time they've even thought it. So that's the vision. We're getting close to doing, but we're not doing that at scale yet. Um, then there is the, the mission, which is the really important bit, which is all about the customer. So what that is, is that by using Hub Snacks, by the actual act of using it and watching these things being done, the user which is the marketer or the salesperson, whatever it is, becomes the hero in helping their company grow better using HubSpot. So what we're focused on maniacally is that person, that, that user. They need their status in their company needs to be growing as a result of working with us. So they now know that when the CEO you know, has a bright idea on a Sunday night and pings it to them and says, I want this, the usual reaction is, oh God, how are we going to do this? Who's going to do it? That agency's working on something else. I've not seen anything out of them. I'm sorry, agencies, but there's some really good agencies, right? There's a lot that don't actually get a lot done. That's just a way of, it's just the nature of the business, right? Okay. So, you know, and they've, they've got that, but they go, if they've seen HubSnacks consistently deliver stuff really fast, they know they've got this, they get something delivered, they go straight back to the CEO and say, look at this. Now their status goes up, Okay. right? So they get more responsibility. So they take on more projects and they go, have you got any more of these? wonderful templatized um, funnels. Yeah. And can I see them? And we show them, that's the dashboard that's coming up next. Um, show them to me and then they go on. So now they become the hero in their company's journey to squeezing the most out of HubSpot, which enables them to grow using HubSpot. So there's a two thing, the company that uses us, who pays our bill, they benefit and the user using us benefits as well. Now, how does that come back to what you asked a moment ago? Well, if you look on the other side of the equation for HubSpot, what's HubSpot looking to do? HubSpot's trying to grow their trust battery with a the customer, right? So 
I don't know if you're listening to this now and you are a HubSpotter, you will know what the retention score is, partner retention score. If you are a user, you can be rest assured that HubSpot does not just reward its partners for selling commission, licensed sales. Okay. They also have a level of reward, which is to do with how many customers we support. So our sold MRR is, it's all right. I mean, we made a leap. We did that in three months. And it wasn't actually very difficult when you work it out what it is. Um, our managed MRR, so the number of portals we're in, because we deal with a lot of companies who have already bought HubSpot, that is huge. That's yeah. double, almost like double elite or something. It's way off the end of the scale. Always has been. However, again, I'm not just banging my own drum is, our retention score, client retention score, thank, thankful for HubSpot's customers, is all about how HubSpot is being used. Of course. So it is the engagement with the product and how that translates into an increase in, for example, revenue. So how much of HubSpot do you then want to do? So we have a visual, visually, I'm not going to say this now. So at the time of this recording, it's being beta tested with some customers. But basically, coming out in the next couple of months is an actual visual representation of everything that could be done. And if you don't have the right HubSpot license tier, it will show you, hey, you see this cool stuff you want done? You don't have the tier for it yet. But it provides the customer with the empirical evidence that stuff gets done, value gets delivered in time, the on-ramp is painless, and therefore we will spring for CMS or Service Hub or whatever it is. And that is our maniacal focus. Because inside all the Nate, this next adjacent impactful task work we do in the background, which we then present to customers in little videos, well, now suddenly they're going, hey, did you know you could do this? By the way, it just lets you know, if you want that, you are going to need to increase your use of HubSpot over here. Because to stay true to HubSpot's vision, if you want to grow better, help companies grow better, the implication is it's by using HubSpot and if you're not using HubSpot, you're not helping them grow better. So okay. the more you use HubSpot, the better you grow using HubSpot. And that's our piece in the puzzle. And that's the thing I want to focus on, which is why I'd, I never answer the question of, could you give me a case study of when it works? Yeah, every agency's got two or three trite case studies of their favorite thing where they grew something by 3,000%. But on this podcast, you're going to lose your listeners pretty quick within a few podcasts if it's just agencies turning up and rocking out a case study. And We're doing this at scale. So I've told you the principles of how we do it, do it at scale. And what we want to do next year to go back to the other question you asked, which is our growth plan, is I don't really care at the moment about growth because we're growing anyway, like well into the seven figures. I mean, well, 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 well into them. And by the way, the, the assumption of is there margin in there as well? So in other words, will we be around long enough? The margins are disturbingly high really? because we do Even this at scale. Okay, so it's disturbingly scale. high. That's a that's a kind of an, it's an interesting statement to make if you're kind of going after the the you're the the high end of the low end uh, when it comes to cost, I guess. Not apples and apples though, is it? Yeah, we're low compared to an agency, but we're not an agency. Yeah, okay. It's like uh, HubSpot thousand. Let's call it let's call it two hundred bucks a month for HubSpot, right? Wind the clock back twenty years and turn around to someone who's a software provider who would have charged. 200,000 for an enterprise instance, which has to be installed on a server. Yeah. And suddenly you're going, well, HubSpot's really cheap. Yeah, You're the low end. No, you're not. You've just worked out a model that makes you extremely profitable right. at scale for thousands of people and it's very easy to sell. It's exactly the same model. We've done the same to services that SaaS did to software. 
super in the process service model. I think that one of the biggest things here is the deliverables as well, because I think that's what people are. That's what people want when they engage with uh, with with even agencies or any type of any type of software partner or consultancy or whatever. They want they kind of want an end result of what are you actually going to deliver, and sometimes that can take a long time. But um, if you guys are delivering stuff so early uh, and get, like I said, you're focused on making those those users superstars within their organizations, they're never going to cancel HubSpot if they if if it's actively helping their their career and it helps their career, helps their company, um, and then we're fulfilling our kind of vision there as well. So I think it really does fit right. into what we're trying to do. Um, it's really interesting. Listen, so it. can I just come back to that question about numbers as well? Because I yeah, don't sure. I don't like to. I come out with the statement and push it back on you, but I need to answer the question to a certain degree. So in terms of customer numbers, for example, we've had like well in excess of 500 or 600 customers in the last three years go through our books. Not all of them are still on with us because we have churn like anyone else. The thing is, is that, like I say, we, we, we smashed out Elite. I said, it was September a year ago, actually, I said, hey, we're going to do Elite. And I think we just missed it in the January. We had, to, we had a year to work it. We had a, sort of a month to kind of work out how we're going to do it. And we did it really fast. That's how you sell licenses. And, and we got a lot of customers through that, obviously. I mean, we were onboarding at least 25 people at a time, companies at a time. Okay. The thing is, none of that really interests me. It's what we really want to do is be able to get, how do you take on 50 to 100 customers a month? And the customers we, who really get the benefit. So some people may have used that service and go, it doesn't feel like that. Well, first of all, HubSpot didn't feel like HubSpot does today about five years ago. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't feel the same, right. Yeah outages, bits and pieces. That's all gone because HubSpot has invested in the platform. They put a huge amount of R&D and we have an R&D budget, pretty huge. We also have a huge amount of CapEx, capital expenditure going into developing the product at the moment, just like HubSpot did. And our focus is not on trying to grow the company and be smarty pants and do lots of interesting marketing with case studies. Our focus is maniacally on stabilizing and and building out the product in a very um, robust way with a very robust databasing system that allows us to do something at scale later, reliably, again and again and again. Because we don't, you know, currently it's, it's I guess a usual month is we get about 20 new customers. Notice I call them customers, not clients. So they're customers, right? Um, what our real focus is at the moment is actually moving to the concierge tier, which is our more expensive tier. It's still in in uh, in our strategy, we were using the Porter's frontal strategy, which means we want to be at least a three to one advantage on price and at least a three to one advantage on reputation and deliverables. Which th it's not three times three. It's not. It's actually you should be getting six times more value for the buck using us than the than what we call the worst alternative. Okay. So not even the best, but the worst. So you could go way off the end of that. We want to get to that, and that's our maniacal focus there. So actually, we want to be able to do that for our concierge customers who are the ones that get the call. So some people say, oh, you can't call and you can't talk to them. No, we get a call with a coach who sits and says, what are you trying to achieve in your business? And based on that, this is the what they call strategy stacks, which is what's being launched right now on a platform, on a, on a dashboard, which stack you need, which task you need to get from us so that you use HubSpot the most. It is not a coaching program on how to do marketing. Yeah. Okay. PPC campaigns, but you happen to be a HubSpot agency. It's all focused on HubSpot only and the implementation of HubSpot. So we want to be getting 50 to 100 new customers a month, not a problem, and being able to do it with a very small staff by comparison. 
um, I'm not really interested in the sort of between the 10 and the 20 a month we could get currently because that we get that just by product market fit. That's interesting. It's like on a, a hundred a month, the way HubSpot is growing and the way it's kind of what we're forecasting to grow over the next few years, that doesn't seem out of the question at all to me from what you're describing, especially because it's, it's not, so scalable. It's not even 1%, is it? It's, it's tiny. The, the, the total addressable market for us is anyone who doesn't want an agency and is tired of a, and has either wants or has a HubSpot, yeah. doesn't want the agency or everything that's got with it, or they want to go to an agency afterwards. By the way, we do encourage people. We, there comes a natural point. People, some people hang around with us for three years um, because they like the, they need the extra help. But in theory, you could get going much earlier if you wanted to, to an agency. But when you arrive at the agency, everything's set up and ready to go. Yeah, You're not starting a process of months of, discovery it's done on a platform that's already built yeah so that empowers the customer even more than when they go to the to get that kind of marketing element of the of the hubspot exactly. kind of plan um really interesting like that usually we try to keep these podcasts at 20 minutes we are blown that right out of the water because i think we could talk about this all day but maybe just right. i know I'm, i don't i want to be respectful of your time as well because i know we you did kind of say it was going to be that long and we've talked for 40 minutes but uh one one question before we go just came to mind here you're talking about kind of skewifying all of uh, the tasks needed for HubSpot. Is there any skew that you'd like HubSpot to make? Or you you are obviously dealing with a lot of customers out there. Are, are people asking for something that HubSpot just can't deliver or something like that? What would like if you could wave a magic wand? What skew would you uh, invent? The customer focus end. Um, okay, it's not a skew; it's a feature. All right, all right. <laughs> um, endpoints in projects. Okay, so just I don't know if anyone knows what that means, but HubSpot has these things called projects and they're not used properly at all. We're about to start using them, but they are not, they don't have what's known as API endpoints inside them. It's just like a to-do list. It's a structured outlined to-do list, right? And it's a mess because everyone, some people don't use them properly. Some don't know what to use them for. But something we've got coming out now, if HubSpot cancels that, it would be very unfortunate for HubSpot if they cancel projects for any reason. But if they put API endpoints inside projects we can have a lot of fun and help a lot of hubspot customers very very quickly super interesting um subject for me as well because i love a good uh a good project management tool uh you know collaborative tool Mm -hmm. i used like different ones with different things that i'm involved in and it is something about hubspot that i just it's i know it's i know like a crm it doesn't have to have that type of project base thing but i just think it would be great to have something like a little bit more of a robust um a set of tools within the project feature i just think you know mm-hmm. sales teams marketing teams everyone loves to work on something that's collaborative especially these days when people aren't um, yeah. aren't in the office like so i think that if we can build something like that where there's those endpoints where you can put in information well, in and out yeah well, i mean you could you could build it of course we could have build it in a client's portal and stuff and push it in and have just objects and all this kind of stuff to build a project thing inside there but the thing is, that's not the problem we're really solving for in this one. It's the customers getting the benefit a bit. But I'll tell you who gets the real benefit is imagine, all, imagine now we've got a thousand customers, which is probably going to be in the next couple of years or so. A thousand customers. We're doing all this great work for them super fast. Imagine if every time we did something, we would go to the cut because we know who their account manager is at HubSpot. Imagine now if every time something was done, a little push went out to the customer success manager and said, we just completed another SKU for this customer here. You can see it there in the portal. 
cool. We're already doing that, but it's manual, right? Yeah. It's all manual. It'd be nice if that was automated as well. So now not only does the customers get the actual value, but HubSpot themselves can see the value being delivered. And that's the disconnect because it means that the HubSpot customer success manager can go to any customer and immediately see in a really structured way what's getting delivered for that customer rather than having to ask the customer, what do these guys do for you? Oh, I don't know. You know yeah. Off the conversation goes into lots of words. This is just yeah. boom, that got done, that got done, that got done. Rather than having to go through the tool itself and try and see what's been completed, you've just literally got a record of everything that was done inside the customer's portal. So we're doing that now, but it's manual. It's a manual thing. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think, like you say, we could, we could talk about uh, all the things that we could do with HubSpot. It's growing all the time. Like we're, like I said, a lot mm-hmm. of R&D going into making it a better tool, making it more enterprise ready, making it more uh, usable for people as well, which is kind of still something that we want to keep. You know, as we go up market, it's important that we still keep the, the DNA of the company is that it should be a tool that is usable for most people, you know, and um, I think that we're, we're keeping there. But Ian, it's been a really interesting conversation and uh, I wish you all the best of luck with the business. And right. I'll be pushing this out at the end of month. I'll send you all the, the details there. But like I said, it's been great. And let's, uh, let's chat, chat soon. Okay. Can I give you a little juicy one before we go? 100%. Uh, okay. No, it's just the actually... HubSpots, you, you asked about the elite thing. The Hub, HubSpots, our success manager, I won't mention the names, said I really should mention about one of the big things that changed a lot was when we created a dedicated team inside our side, or two dedicated teams, one to just work with HubSpot salespeople. So they don't get interrupted with anything else. And it ain't the CEO. I, I don't actually run operations at all. I just productize now. Okay. So I don't run any day-to-day operations. And it's not someone who's going to be distracted to try and talk you into doing a big sale. It is literally someone who we know HubSpot sales process backwards. And we meet with the HubSpot sales managers, both in the States and in in EMEA, more and more so in EMEA, I'd say. And then also we will be in in the other part of the world. And it's that actually removing the the unnecessary friction from a sale is not just us sitting there going, we've got something really interesting for you all to buy, but we make it difficult for you to get it. We actually work with HubSpot. So it's an easy one to remember. All the HubSpot reps need to do is when they think they've got a customer who wants to get to value really quickly with relatively low friction, we don't mind actually if they buy their HubSpot um, onboarding from HubSpot, we don't really care. Or they buy it from us, we don't really mind. We just want to do what's right for the customer. And all the sales rep needs to do is remember, snack them. Snack them, okay. Just <laughs> ping an email yeah. to, I think it's like sales at HubSnacks or something, as you can tell, I don't do that anymore. And just write snack them. And we know because it's coming from you guys, we know exactly what's coming because we already have a predefined process lined up to make it really easy for the sales reps to work with us. Because we know exactly, we know how to tell your sales reps what to do on their screen. It's that level. So we're making the removing the friction from there so your customers don't need to see that awkward dance between HubSpot sales rep, agency trying to close a deal, but also trying to sell a big retainer with all their other stuff. Sure. And then a customer trying to get, just trying to, we just literally short-circuited the whole thing and just made it really easy to buy HubSpot, but also really easy to keep getting the value and grow using HubSpot. Snack them. That's it. Snack them. Snack them. That's why yeah, I like it. Like, I think <laughs> that's a, it's important as well. Like, and it's something that there, you know, it's a, always room for that kind of specialization to be like, okay, if you are going to be working with uh, people internally in HubSpot, why not have a, a structure in place that looks like theirs? Do you know? Um, Absolutely. I, I don't see why 
uh, companies wouldn't do that unless, like you mentioned, if the 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 business model is slightly different, um, and then that causes a you know a little bit of kind of awkwardness for the customer as well because they kind of are dealing with two different types of sales process. So um, it's an interesting. Mm-hmm. One I think I think that's something definitely that uh, you know our, our partners can learn from. Um, but like I said, if anyone's listening to this um, and you want to get the guys involved, uh, just hit snack them, send them over, and uh, hopefully uh, you guys can can help close the sale. You, you got it. If any partners want any help learning how to do some of this stuff, I'm not saying we're going to do it for all HubSpot partners. I do it for a lot of non-HubSpot agencies and, and service providers and managed service providers and consultancies teaching. We've got an actual method of rolling this out very quickly. So hit me up. It's not that difficult to find. Absolutely. Um, and I'll put all the all the ways to get in touch with you in the show notes. But thanks very much for joining us today. It's been a it's been a real eye opener. No, it's been a privilege and it's nice to meet you at last because I've heard your name around the place. Really? Good to meet the person. (laughs) Hope all good things. All right, see you soon. Take care. Thanks.